Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newsroom. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. Now, some notes about our upcoming events. On May 14th, we have a discussion on money laundering with the author of the new government report, uh, the head of the BC Real Estate Association, and the executive director of our province's Gaming Commission. On May 22nd, a look at the changes this fall in cannabis legislation to open up the market for edibles and beverages. And on May 29th, a conversation about ride-sharing with one of the impending entrants into the field, Lyft. Details on these events are at BIV.com slash events. So we've talked extensively on this podcast about market conditions for real estate, about the combination of a small land base and great demand for commercial property and development of it. And of course, on the more macro issues, interest rates, investment climate, uh, trade, any number of things that might be somehow having an impact on our real estate situation. My guest is one of our country's leading economists. Don Desjardins is Deputy Chief Economist and a Vice President at Royal Bank. She's in Vancouver to speak to a Trey Capital event on investment, and she joins me just ahead of the event, but by the time this plays online, sorry, the, it's a day after it's taken place. Thanks so much for joining us, Don. No, pleasure. Let's start us off with a bit of a quick overview to, uh, on the conditions, and let's talk locally here for a bit of a moment. Uh, our our residential real estate is cooling off considerably, but w- what could be said of the commercial market? Um, well, on the commercial side, um, I think we are seeing activity as well. We have seen significantly low vacancy rates, so still lots of demand um, in terms of you know people who want to set up their businesses need some property to do that. So I think the demand continues to be uh, quite robust. Is is that why it hasn't dampened? Is it simply a matter of demand or is it, I mean, on the other side of it, is it just that we also don't have a, a grand supply? I think it's, you're right. It's about, it's a combination of both of those factors. So, you know, needing to see supply, different types of supply, depending on the, the type of user, um, whether it's now moving into um more warehouse type space where companies who have online businesses need lots of room mm-hmm. um, to have all of their uh, products uh, as they try to distribute them uh, throughout the province, the country, the city. Um, and as well, I think we see a lot in terms of technology companies who are also looking for space um, as they continue to grow and they need to uh, improve uh, their, their working space. Um, so I think those are our two really big important parts um, of the demand story for commercial real estate. And, and uh, it's not as if all commercial uh, land can be just developed upward. Um, so in a way, there, there is a pretty tight supply because of the, the base of land that we're situated on here. Exactly, exactly. And so it's, it's, you know, it's the story that kind of runs also through the residential market. Um, yeah. Except with the residential, at least you can you can build up as a rule. So I think that is um, you know a real concern because as you're saying, um, you know if we don't have the space in the downtown core, for example, that means that increasingly businesses have to consider moving further afield um, from the downtown core. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing in some cases where we do have companies that, as I say, have to distribute um, their merchandise, and so they need big space. Um, and if it's not readily available in the downtown core, obviously they have to move further out. Yeah. And and with that comes, of course, challenges around uh, acquisition of talent, uh, making sure that there's a housing market there for them, a transportation market in a lot of cases to get people back and forth, uh, and, and things like trucking. 
to make sure that's there. Yeah. It, 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 in your assessment of, of the conditions in Vancouver, uh, in the Vancouver area right now, what would you say are some of the the, the pain points, you know, from from a, a standpoint of, of a, a productive and efficient economic transaction? Well, I think certainly um, we're seeing evidence that um, costs are rising. Um, we're getting uh, increased costs either for labor, um, but also for space. So certainly when we're looking at a company who's trying to expand their business, um, they have to really think about, you know, what is that rent, increase in rent going to actually be? Because we are continually seeing these upward pressure um, on prices. So I do think that's, a, that's quite, uh, you know, a, an important factor when we're thinking about in terms of a, a pain point. That certainly is one. And as you cited, need to have transportation, need places for people either to park their vehicles or hopefully get a train um, and be able to get to the location. So we do have a lot of pressures, I think, in terms of what companies have to do um, in terms of facilitating running of their businesses in a place where you are, again, moving out yeah. of, the, of the main you know, core. I don't mean to try to uh, put words in your mouth, but is there sure. a bit of a gap between what, what we have and what we really need in this, in this market in that way? Well, I think, um, you know, to, to some degree, certainly that is true. Um, but I think, you know, increasingly, uh, it, it is the case that we're going to see, you know, all of these different um, types of companies maybe look at different kind of structures in terms oh, yeah. of, you know, even these things like um, sharing spaces, you mm-hmm. know, where companies go and we have a whole, they have a large space, uh, but you rent it out on a per hour, per month, per week um, time to be able to facilitate sort of, I guess, your on in-city activities and perhaps have a, a bigger office outside um, of that immediate area. So I think, yeah, I mean, people are trying to be innovative. Um, we have WeWorks, for example, that is certainly, a, yeah. I think, a company that's trying to facilitate that. Exactly. Um, so I, I think you do have, you know, you have to be innovative, I think, in this game if you're going to be able to, you know, meet your clients in a certain spot, but also run your business in an area where it is more affordable um, and that you can get the space you need. So, so the the era of the uh, one giant office for a company um, with with everything under it is, in a way, splintering quite a bit now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, certainly um, our company, RBC, you know, downtown Toronto, we have many premises because we have a lot of people, but you do end up having them in different buildings mm-hmm. um, by function. And I think, you know, for many companies, that is going to be the, the most efficient way for, for them to, to get the space they need. Mm-hmm. So what signs are there? from the central bank and, and therefore, I guess, your bank as well, about the climate for investment right now? Well, you know, when we think about uh, the climate for investment, I think we've seen some changes uh, recently by the federal government um, aimed to try to you know, keep Canadian companies investing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the Bank of Canada, for their part, you know, have, they have indicated that we've hit a weak patch, not necessarily because of anything to do with um, commercial real estate, but certainly to do with oil prices and the housing market. Um, and they step back in terms of their um, want to, to raise interest rates. I think they're going to continue to keep interest rates at a, at a more stimulative level. Right now, our policy rates are about one and three quarter percent. Um, and as uh, we look forward, we think uh, that rates might need to go higher if we're going to get uh, monetary policy to be a, a neutral uh, factor in terms of economic growth. But I think 
right now, as we look forward and we see how our economy is performing, we're seeing some of the, the pain points, if you will, in terms of economic growth. I think they're probably going to be content to leave the economy uh, grow with a, a little bit more stimulus. So certainly for a company that's looking to expand, you, know, you do have lower financing costs than you may have anticipated um, just a year ago when the Bank of Canada really was in the yeah. mode of really incrementally moving that interest rate higher. Yeah, it, it looked as if we were going to have five, six, maybe seven or eight uh, interest rate yeah. increases, and, and we've stopped, it seemed, for at least the time being um, in, in a lot yeah. of ways. When you take a look at the conditions uh, overall in our economy, I think we can look back a, a decade ago and say we, we dodged a great deal of the hardship that, say, took place in the United States. And I think people credited uh, the the system of, of banking and financial institutions we had with with part of that that we had we had prepared ourselves well. Are are we are we though in a little ways uh, perhaps a bit complacent as we're moving up toward what a lot of people feel will be some some economic headwinds in the next year or so? No, I don't really think so. I think you know what has happened, and especially in the last few years. Um, and I mean, these are, are controversial moves, I think, for some people, because certainly when we think about those stress tests um, for mortgages, for example, for personal mortgages, for residential mortgages, um, in particular, of course, they, you know, people feel that that's pretty onerous. But I think the aim of that policy was, in fact, to ensure that we maintain that sort of uh, stellar uh, credit quality in terms of the loans that we're allowing our financial institutions to make. So I think... You know, when we, I don't think we're really that complacent because I think we have taken actions in recent years, as as a as the government has taken actions, um, to ensure that we keep our credit quality very high. So, should it come a day when we do, in fact, go through the next recession, we are going to be able to continue to keep that reputation of being a sound financial system that doesn't crumble as we saw south of the border. So, is is it? Uh, more of a question of where, where we got out ahead of this one fairly much before anything began to become a, you know, a so-called north wind on us? I think so. I mean, yeah. I think when we look at, you know, we listened to the Bank of Canada governor just yesterday in his speech, and he was touting the fact that credit quality uh, of mortgages now have improved. We're not seeing as many Canadians so heavily indebted. Uh, they have a 450% number that they use as, as a being where someone's mortgage, uh, their debt to their income is at 450%. They feel that that's a very vulnerable household. Yeah. So they feel that that like, proportion of Canada's population that is, is in that category now has come down. So I think, you know, it takes time, obviously. We had quite a few years where we were running up the levels of debt on the household side. But I think now that he is indicating that we are seeing signs that yeah, we are improving and we're getting a reduction in that level of, of households that have that high debt level. I, I know that at the event that you're at, uh, the, we're taking a look not just at the Canadian environment, but the American one around investment. How, how do you feel our climate is compared to that of America right now in terms of investment? Well, I think um, in the U.S., the economy is tending to grow more strongly. Um, we have some similar um, uh, patterns with respect to both of countries having very strong labor markets. But here in Canada, of course, we have the 
oil and gas sector, which at the moment um, really is, is a bit frozen. We're not seeing a lot of investment. Uh, we had that strong dip um, in oil prices in the latter part of 2018. Companies, you know, concerned about what the future of prices are. I think we're not seeing any investment from that side. If you look south of the border, investment there, you know, we are seeing a pickup in investment. We're certainly seeing the U.S. energy sector continuing um, to grow and continuing to see investment dollars there. So I would say um, the environment um, in the U.S. has changed somewhat because they have reduced their corporate income tax rate uh, to be that similar to Canada. Yep. Uh, they also announced that accelerated depreciation allowance, which yes. our government also did announce uh, following yep. that. But yeah. So I think they are creating um, an environment where they're trying to incent U.S. businesses. And U.S. businesses, it's a 10-year expansion. So a lot of these businesses really are hitting up against capacity limits. And so they're trying to create an environment where they will see business investment continuing, whether it's in machinery and equipment um, or in commercial real estate, industrial real estate. So, I mean, we are seeing evidence that that portion of their economy is growing. Um, over time, I think as the impact of these stimulative policies starts to ebb a little bit, we may see some, some letting up in terms uh, of that investment. But at the moment, it is a key driver of the U.S. economy. Yeah. I don't know whether within your field and, and even, um, you know, among financial institutions, there is a great deal of discussion over uh, the Trans Mountain uh, pipeline expansion as more of a, a symbol than, than anything else in this one area, which is the, the notion that as a country, uh, the signal that we're sending to the world, if it, if it can't get built, um, is is a is a, a one that's going to really discourage uh, massive investment in infrastructure. What what, what position are, are is the bank taking on this, and and what do you feel as an economist is at stake as we wrestle still in this country with the debate on this uh, on this pipeline? Yeah, well, I certainly think you know that's true from a signaling point of view. Um, you know, we want to be seen as a country that can get things done, that there's not a lot of red tape, but we know that we consistently run into <laughs> red tape or impediments uh, mm-hmm. to getting some important uh, projects done. So certainly, I think when we think about, you know, we have a resource, we want to get it to countries outside of Canada. Um, this is one of the, the ways that, you know, we have to get some kind of transportation into place. So, for a, a country that is reliant on natural resources. But, I mean, we have to be practical. I think we have to be um, sure that, you know, we're doing it in, in a fashion that is going to continue to support our, our climate um, um, agreements that we, you know, what, that we're going to get carbon emissions done, all these things. So I guess I would say, you know, we do think that, you know, we, we need transportation, we need infrastructure in this in this country to enable us to to really be as competitive as we need to be, to be as productive as we need to be. Um, but that's not to say it's just, you know, pull every, you know, pull all, all the stops, but really, you know, continue to, to do it in, in a very respectful um, and responsible manner. Yeah. Um, last area that I, I want to explore on, on a larger basis with you is, is about the two countries as each approaches an election period, and, and you know, you would know the history on this one um, and can help us understand. When, when you're into a pre-election period, as we are in Canada, and then as the United States will be uh, 
next uh, next year at this time. Uh, mm-hmm. Does that put conditions around um, economic governance uh, from a government standpoint? Does that put it on a bit of hiatus until after they're done? Well, I think, you know, it, it quite conceivably uh, could do. I think, you know, what the government here did in their last budget was really certainly try to set a, a platform out, started to put in many different programs that they think um, will carry the economy as we go forward. Um, and so, you know, I think they ought to take that opportunity um, to, in fact, announce spending plans. Uh, for example, in this budget, they had things like work integrated learning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had a lot of different different programs that, you know, across the spectrum, whether it was on the housing side of the equation um, or the education side or the business side, which they announced in the fall. So I think, you know, as as governments come closer um, to elections, they do try to you know, steer the course, uh, establish the course uh, that they're going to take um, should they remain in government. Um, so, you know, I, I do think these, you know, we've seen this <laughs> just happen in our country. I think that generally is the way, you know, it, it proceeds that the, the current government tries to, you know, get their platform out there yeah. um, in a tangible way, if at all possible. Yeah, get get the measures announced far enough ahead that they don't become necessarily influencers on the economy in the thick of a campaign when government ostensibly goes goes a yeah, bit quiet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Don Desjardins, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for your help today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Don Desjardins is the Deputy Chief Economist and Vice President at Royal Bank. You've been listening to BIB Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time.